1: Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight, we have a guest on the show talking to us about his book, Path of the Moonlit Hedge. His name is Nathan Hall. He is a witch, animist, initiated of the Anderson fairy tradition and member of the Temple of Witchcraft. He serves on the board of the annual Mystic South Conference and is a contributor and editor advisor for the Wild Hunt, a daily news source for the pagan community. Nathan has two decades of experience working as journalist and editor, has lectured at media conferences, and has sat on a variety of panels. And tonight, we threw a net, and we caught him, and he's here on (laughs) Lunatic Mondays. Uh, Thank you for being here, Nathan. Welcome. How are you?
2: Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm very happy to have you, and uh, man, that bio sounds so interesting. I want to ask you about all these things about writing and the wild hunt and all that. But first of all, I want to ask you about your path. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. How do you how do you identify yourself and how do you come into this path?
2: Um so I identify as I'm an initiate of the Anderson fairy tradition. So uh basically I'm I'm a witch <laughs> and I'm very comfortable with that title. Um and you know I also I always either before that or after that always say my worldview is very animist, so I view you know everything as being sort of inspirited and and having some sort of agency of its own that uh, that we can work with. And witchcraft is gives us a lot of really good tools for um, for utilizing uh, that and and engaging with the world in in that way to help uh, build partnerships or. Um, you know make the changes that we would like to see in the world Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, and I kind of I came to this path I mean it's you know the winding path of the witch I guess (laughs) I you know from a very young age was kind of a nerdy kid I really liked um, fantasy and sci-fi and you know I always you know had this like Deep love of um, you know like C.S. Lewis and uh, Tolkien when I was very young, and those magical worlds and those worlds of enchantment that they that they created with their with their words was was something that that just really captured my imagination, and I wanted you know to engage in in a world that looked like that, and I was like frustrated, like why doesn't our world you know operate this way? Um, but you know, over time, I, I guess I realized that um, it actually does, in some ways. You know, you can you can work with the world in in that kind of way, and the world is a magical and enchanted place. But um, yeah, I I grew up in a small town, um, and very small town, like less than a thousand people, uh, surrounded on all sides by cornfields and it was uh, built underneath the town was a coal mine so there was a lot of like really um, kind of strange things that would happen in my childhood like ghost encounters were not they were so common they were not even odd it wasn't even uh, a strange thing to have a ghost experience and everybody had ghost stories you know and I think I don't know if that's um uh you know part of it is just a small town where we have to create our own stories or um or if it's you know tied to you know like I always thought in some ways that it was tied to that coal mine um and sort of the 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 wound to the earth that that happened there that that sort of inspired all of this spirit activity as well as you know any any of the miners that may have passed on as they were as they were working there, and and on and on, you know, it was it, it was just a really um, very boring place to grow up, but also very exciting in other in other ways. Um, and it wasn't until I think I was around fourteen or fifteen, and um, someone introduced me to uh, Buckland's Big Blue Book, Raymond Buckland. Mm -hmm. um and and i was like oh this is like kind of what i've been looking for you know this is the this is sort of the the manual for interacting with these things that had always sort of been there for me because like I, i i've always said you know i'm i kind of have always been an animist i didn't grow up with um any any like formal religion in my life i didn't have you know there was, you know, my grandparents were part of different churches, but my parents weren't, and I never went to church unless I was going, you know, with a friend who I had stayed the night with or
3: whatever.
2: Um, so it was, you know, I I was able to, like, sort of mediate my own interactions with the world and with the spirit world, and it helps me stay open, I think, and in some ways that, you know, when you have a more formal um, Religious training maybe it maybe it's sort of trained out of you at a young age, or you're trained to ignore it or something you know yeah um so yeah, when I found Buckland's book, I was like, wow, this is like this is this is sort of like it was it was an inroad for me and and I kind of like experimented with that for a while and and you know this was around the time that the movie the craft was coming out. Um, it, it came out after I was already out of high school, but it was like, right within that, you know, time that I was graduating. And, and so I was like, really turned on by that, that movie. And it was like, yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I continued, um, doing stuff like, I I dated someone for a while who was very into ceremonial magic and so I kind of got some introductions that way and you know I just sort of let myself in in a sense be spirit led and and let it take me where where it was I was never formally trained in a coven or anything like that at that age um you know and then you know as I as I got a little older I I got into Uh, college and I got really into doing um, a lot of uh, labor activism Mm -hmm. and um, and I got I got way like away from my spiritual practice and it was you know it was a good time it was a learning a very intense learning period for me and it it sort of opened me up to um, being passionate about or opening my senses to what, what other passions I had in life and, you know, sort of doing, you know, the, the activist thing was, was really a big part of my life for a long time, but I pushed myself so hard in that direction and it was very materialist. And so I had to bring back some of the spirit and it was sort of after I graduated, I was like, you know what I need to, I need to get back. You know, I miss my souls miss the uh, the interaction with you know the spirits that I've you know that I work with and uh, the gods and goddesses and everything um and basically at, from that point forward I'm, I'm 44 now that was you know 20 some years ago <laughs> at this point but you know that's sort of the in a nutshell and then yeah. you know as as time went on I I discovered the uh the Temple of Witchcraft and I started taking some courses with them and and they were really um I really love the Temple of Witchcraft. I love Christopher Penzak. Um and it was a great um like at the point in my practice where I was, I was like, there were no covens that I was really looking to join. Um so but it it gave me a different outlet for organizing my my practice. Mm -hmm. Because I was just sort of like, I had a little bit here, a little bit over there and doing the mystery school with the, the temple of witchcraft was like, okay, here's like, here's a huge amount of information that you're going to study over the course of a year with regular inputs and regular feedback from people, from other practitioners. And, and it just sort of like whipped me into shape and, and turned things around for me. Mm -hmm. And then and then somewhere in that process, I ended up meeting my teacher who uh, f- for the, the Anderson Ferry tradition, um, the handbane uh, line of the Anderson ferry tradition. And um, I studied with him for five some five or six years and, and initiated just last year, uh, last September. so I've been an initiate for just over a year now..
1: Congrats.
2: <laughs> yeah thank you so, so yeah that's oh go
3: ahead <laughs>
1: no uh the one thing that i wanted to say uh and i know this is gonna sound really goofy but you know it's Lunatic mondays i finally have a guest that might appreciate my welcome in when i say second breakfast because you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only person that gets what i'm talking about because yeah, exactly. time is not linear right. and in this media people could be listening to us at seven o'clock in the morning or at seven o'clock at night or
2: yeah. 7, or 10, years from now,
1: <laughs> or, or 20 years from now. Isn't yeah. that incredible? Sometimes when I actually think about how these vibrations are going to be out there forever is yeah. mind blowing.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And speaking like you're, you're on the blog talk radio network which when I was like still sort of a closeted pagan slash witch, um that was like a it was like a lifeline for me. You know, there are so many um so many different podcasts that existed that have existed forever on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. So yeah, it was like when I was when I was like not willing to sort of venture out into the into the world yet. <laughs>
3: yeah. It
2: was a real essential uh for my you know just like making sure that i was keeping in touch with some part of the community
1: you know as a matter of fact me doing podcasts and doing all this um online ministry stems from the need of the underserved spanish-speaking pagan community that had no resources that is still very persecuted and 10 years ago it was more so yeah so I started doing podcasts in Spanish. Yeah. And then I jumped to bilingual, and we were the only bilingual podcast out there, mm-hmm. for pagan and witchcraft. And then I eventually uh, let go of the Spanish because now there's a plethora of people out there.
3: Yeah. yeah
1: and I'm doing only the English, but I I still do Spanish like two, three times a year on, on my yeah. own shows. But yeah, we've been at it for over a decade. and it, it's a yeah. lifeline for a lot of people, especially those who don't like reading a whole lot. And yeah. I seem to somehow every show, I, I come to this place where, like, I'm a hearing learner. Yeah. So I love to have your book in my hands, but I also love to hear you because A, you're going to give me a little bit of golden nuggets that may or may not be on the book. B, those are going to stick on my mind forever. And C, yeah. I get the little backstory of what's in the book. So I always love to have (laughs) uh, the authors, authors, singers, poets, artists, anybody that comes to the show, I get to dig a little bit on the background. and, And I love that. And I love how you talk about formative years and studying with institutions that are vetted and that are serious about their craft and that they are not just um something that just pop up out of the blue or that they took a three-hour course into how to heal your inner child because i right that (laughs) Uh, you speak on your book about buzzwords and little uh psychological healing concepts that people have commodify and just diluted yeah and then they sell you the workshop to heal your inner child in three hours for fifteen hundred dollars and right three hours is what it takes to understand what the inner child is <laughs> though-
2: right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's you, you know i i've always um i've always been a skeptic in in many ways and and I, you know, I am very careful about, you know, who I sort of allow into my inner, inner circle, you know, and like, I'll have, I have a lot of, um I have a lot of respect for, you know, a lot of people. And then, you know, there's, it's just like the, the, the rings of, of who you let in and where. Um But yeah, there are, this was something that before I even you know in the in the mid to early to mid two thousand you know two thousand to two thousand ten um before I kind of came out of the you know the the pagan closet the witch closet um the broom closet <laughs> um I researched so much you know and and this is something that I do really kind of to a fault <laughs> is... I'll research and research and research before I ever even like voice an opinion about something. Um so, you know, when I when I was like, do I want to come out of the broom closet? Do I want to find community? Like I had done a ton of research on, you know, and I read all kind, you know, like drawing down the moon and and you know read so many people's blogs, listened to so many people's podcasts, and you know, and, and sort of like, you know, wanted to sniff out the, you know, the stuff that didn't seem authentic to me, or, you know, that seems like, hey, you know, this person just jumped out of nowhere, and they're offering these, you know, $1,500 healing classes, you know, to, to destroy your ego, and it happens in one day, and, <laughs> and, and I was like, no, that's not, I mean, I just like therapy teaches you that's not how that works. You know, like you don't know I even mean? <laughs> Do and you do you
1: have any Virgo on your chart?
2: Do I have any Virgo? I, I don't think I do. Um nothing nothing prominent.
1: <laughs> because <laughs> so. uh this this nature of going so deep into Yeah investigating and learning about right. things etc sometimes i have heard i i'm not an astrologer so right
2: uh, i'm what not I'm talking not, about yeah. don't,
1: don't trust me uh but i have <laughs> heard that it's a virgo thing and yeah. then uh funny haha yeah don't trust me because we are very skeptic i'm a virgo rising, and okay. i think that's where it comes from um and the thing with that is if we really don't preserve this knowledge, you know, there are people like you, like me, so many other people that naturally just tap into the world of nature. And I think people use the word gift, you know, oh, it's a gift, you're gifted. And I don't think it's a gift because thinking about it as a, as a gift puts you on a little pedestal of, yeah. yeah the divine gifted me with this and i'm special right. so the way i define it nathan is like this is this is an ability you know yeah. and it's like your ability to breathe or your ability to speak right. and or your ability to dance and some of us are more adept to do certain yeah. things right right than others right i for example um very blessed with having uh the ability to follow the beat right so for me dancing is easy my body um what is the word Uh, disability prevents me from dancing right okay but when i can i can because i can carry the beat so i feel that it's kind of like it's just an ability right it's an ability that you foster and then it grows and People like us who understand the natural world naturally is because we have, we are more kin to that ability, if you will. And what I've noticed is we tend to be more skeptic because we have so many incredible things around us that yeah. when somebody comes and tells you, I have discovered warm water, you're like, hmm, yeah. how?" <laughs> tell me yeah. tell me how and you there's a line in your book that i really really appreciate um and also it, it struck me so much on, on when i was reading because it's one of the words that in english is one of the hardest to pronounce for me um, uh, anthropomorphizing
3: yeah
1: yeah yeah thanks yes i said it correctly <laughs> um and that is also a thing when you say right like be critical be skeptic be not to be a cynic or to right. dismiss people but to be informed right and to yeah. uh what I tell sometimes my apprentices is like if you hear a voice but if you hear it with your ears then you need to go to the psychologist right but if you ear if you hear it and it's more like a feeling and it's not coming from the outside but it's somewhere inside of you then you're hearing bigger quotes
0: right
2: know. yeah yeah Yeah. That's, that's a a really good point. And yeah, I, I never, I never really uh, connected the two, like the, the, you know, the interaction with, with nature spirits and the inherent skepticism of of things. Um, That's interesting. I have, (laughs) but it makes sense, you know, because um, I don't know. I, I have, you know, a, a A lot of times I feel like almost uh, not bombarded. It's not like overwhelming, but the interactions with spirits happen frequently to the point that I feel like, you know, I have a good sense of when I am interacting with something versus when I'm, you know, manufacturing it maybe for myself um, or, or being led to believe it's something by someone else. Um, and I always you know whenever anybody says something and I'm like that doesn't sound right I'm always like oh that's interesting have you considered this or that or you know and offering just different you know takes on it for them you know if it doesn't feel like it's sitting right to me yeah but like like we were saying before also there are people who are are not uh honest dealers either you know in in magical communities. Yeah. And you know, they, you know, there are people who are, you know, doing those, you know, we're going to the beach and you know, we're gonna do uh, you know a morning ritual where you heal past trauma and then you know we're just gonna whatever.
3: You
1: know <laughs> so, I love I love the phrase um that I heard from one of a friend of mine who's a psychologist. I collect psychologists as friends i'm very very (laughs)
3: uh,
1: happy for that that's why i load so much when people utilize those terms lightly Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and uh, my friend christian ortiz i mentioned him almost every every show too Um, he says you know we're trying to heal generational traumas and come with Ah. magical ways of healing and doing and talking to the ancestors but we cannot even talk to our brother or sister right here in this realm so it takes a lot of being magical but also being logical
3: yeah
1: and being coherent which is something that you and I were talking about right before the show Uh, having this um, coherency into okay yeah you can probably develop a relationship with a tree on a yard on a wood forest but that doesn't mean you speak to all of the trees you know right (laughs) something like that i can imagine um so the book is the path of the moonlit hedge the hedge and the liminal i love to talk about those terms right yeah Um, me too (laughs) and and also i love to hear you for those who are not familiar with the concept of the souls plural yeah
3: yeah
1: yeah so Pick pick your take and
2: take us into okay. that. <laughs> All right. Well, there's the so the souls are in in my training, and there are there are many different takes on this. And there are many different takes on the number of souls within a human, you know, from a more Abrahamic sort of viewpoint where you have one soul and that's it, to, you know, other traditions and other religions where it's like 10 or 12 or more, you know. Um, in my training it was you know it's it's three and that was i don't know if that's something that is consistent across most of witchcraft but it's been consistent with my training in witchcraft which with the temple of witchcraft and with anderson ferry um and you know it's it's this concept of you have sort of the uh talker self which is the the egoic uh daily present uh maybe logical kind of logical you know hopefully logical part of yourself um that sort of interacts with the everyday material world um and then uh you have your fetch self which is sort of the animal-like child-like um speaks in symbols and uh sort of your connection to the to the underworld um and you know and then you have your holy daemon uh which is is sort of your you know placed in the in the you know traditionally in the crown chakra and is your uh living connection to the the divine it's your your little piece of of god herself you know in 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 the fairy tradition it would be you know the star goddess my connection or my little part of of being the star you know the star goddess so um yeah i think uh in in fairy and 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 in temple of witchcraft they there's this sense of like aligning these souls so that you know everything that you are doing is for is is aligned and for your highest good and um not that you're you know if you're aligned that you're incapable of making mistakes or whatever but you know just that you are taking all of these parts of yourself these these uh spiritual uh resonances within you Mm -hmm. and trying to find some sort of harmony with them and to me that there's a sense where you can have an alignment but I think the reality is that um, when you're on this journey, like finding that alignment is the work of your whole life. And that's where, you know, I get into sort of healing in, in my book, The Healing Journey. Yep. Um, and it's something that you have to work. I mean, like we are never going to, we, you know, inherently as as being like sort of material, you know, beings in flesh we are apart from you know we are we are physically apart from you know the goddess the star goddess you know or the universe whatever you want to call it um so i think there's always there's always you know sort of a dissonance that we're trying to harmonize and and we can we can inch closer but i don't think i don't think there's i there are very few, I'll say that, uh, humans that probably have ever achieved the sort of, you know, enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, um, that that brings you into perfect harmony with the universe, and you know, in, in a very, you know, in the Buddhist sense, you know, that uh, I brought up enlightenment, um, you know, it's it is one, it is something like that where where you can live and, and be within the universe without um, a sense, without attachment, you know, uh, I, I vibe a lot with the certain aspects of Buddhism and I think non attachment is, is something that is interesting um, to explore, especially in a witchcraft perspective, because um, I see a lot of people who are in witchcraft getting very, very attached to certain things. And and I feel like it it prevents us from um sort of allowing the process of spiritual evolution to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um I like I like all of the trappings of witchcraft. <laughs> you know, I like I like the spells, I like the you know, the candles and the bells and the, you know, I I used to say I'm a very bells and smells kind of witch, you know, I'm I'm a Taurus and mm-hmm. Taurus rising. So I'm very, you know, like physical <laughs> okay. so i like all of those things but i also know that you know i have to i have to let them go to some extent to allow myself to keep moving forward i can't i can't let my entire identity as a witch be defined by these these things these trappings you know um i don't know if that answers the fully answers the the three souls question i kind of yeah. just went on. No, um, and
1: I, but I love it because we grow so attached to forms. And you were saying yeah. at the beginning of this conversation that you were very fortunate not to have grown on an organized religion, so you didn't have right. to unlearn certain things, right? Right. And in the same breath, on um, witchcraft, we kind of grow attached to our witchy ways. Yeah. And the only constant in life is change. She's changing all the time. (laughs) Says the song, she changes everything she touches, right? And and everything she touches changes. And change and and our mind. Ah change. Sometimes we don't change our (laughs) mind. but it will be ideal if our mind changed. And one of the tools to have this mental slash spiritual transformation are those two places two that are one and the same maybe not uh the hedge and the liminal is it the same
2: you know i <laughs> to me the the hedge is is symbolic of the of the liminal space for me so much of my process um is is in crossing that hedge and moving through the hedge, through into uh, from a safe space into a more unguarded space, a more wild space. And I think that I think that is which is we. There's so many um, benefits to to venturing across, and but we have to. You know, some people never do it. It's like a hard line. They just they want to do the rituals, they want to have the sabbaths and the celebrations, and and that's kind of it, you know. You know, maybe they'll throw in some spell work or whatever. The journey work, the the deep meditation, the you know meeting spirits who may or may not have your best interest at heart, is challenging work, and it's it can be uh, frightening <laughs> work. Um, especially if you're not prepared for it, you know, and like, I can't, I mean, there are so many examples in my life and that I even put in into my book where, where, you know, I just sort of was like, well, you know what, I'm never going to find out unless I just push myself and, and got into some trouble that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there's, you know, there's like, there is, there is reason to be, uh cautious there's reason to be uh you know fearful that that what happens when you cross the hedge um could be you know something uh deeply impactful that that might you know change who you are and maybe not in the best ways (laughs) or it might create something that in turn you need to heal you need to heal a rupture that you caused you need to heal a rift that you created between yourself and another uh, spirit being and entity or God, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a. I think that's why I, I focused so much on the healing journey
3: mm-hmm. in my
2: book before we got into any of the other exercises. And I, am, to be honest, I only lightly touched on crossing over exercises. Um, in this book I'm, I'm working on a second book, where we get more into that that kind of work and deepening the animist uh sort of experience and and opening people up to more of an animist worldview um but i wanted to spend a lot of time just saying like here are tools that you will need on your journey once you get back (laughs) you're going to want to like cleanse yourself you're going to want to um give offerings and, you know, do healing work. And all of this is part of the package when you, when you're doing the, the, you know, the liminal journey, journey work. Um, And yeah, I just, I, like I said, I I've been very uh, sort of foolhardy in the past and, and I was very honest in my book about how that kind of bit me in the (laughs) bud yeah and you know because i want other people to know that this is not it's not just like it seems it can seem fun and in some ways it is fun you know like when you're new to it you know anything new can be exciting but also you know take you know take small steps baby steps are are important in the beginning especially
1: I have an experience that, and a little anecdote that I want to share with you and yeah. the public that are listening right now, because sometimes we get too full of ourselves, right? Yeah. And we think like, oh, I got this. It's fine, right? This happened to me, Nathan, about 15 years ago when I started reading tarot professionally. I've been reading tarot for over... I don't know, two, three decades. But professionally, it's been about 15 years. And I was reading for this person. And this person was having a very heartbreaking situation. And I really wanted to help them. And I really wanted to help them heal. And I really wanted to give them tools to get themselves out of that situation. And I got so wrapped up on their journey that I started hurting and I started Mm -hmm. having anxiety and then I spoke with a friend of mine who is you know um wiser and had been doing this a little longer and I'm very used to walking on that liminal space and I'm very used to you know go go fetch something and bring it back and then throw something out there that don't belong etc but I was not very used to working constantly and consistently with other people. Yeah. My friend had been a professional tarot reader for two, three decades. And then she asked me, How are you protecting yourself? Are you closing and opening your sessions? Are you, do you have any amulets? Do you ring a bell, et cetera? And I was like, No, I don't have to do that. And she's like, Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And she explained to me, Mm. Uh, what was happening is that I was over empathizing with the person, and the person was perhaps unconsciously sucking up all of my energy. Yeah. Uh, the so-called energy vampires. I don't like using that word either, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh for uh context's sake, yeah. I had an energy vampire as a client. So, dear friends, when I started. Opening and closing my my sessions and then cleansing myself after that lady that was coming to see me once a month religiously never yeah. called me back, yeah. never never called me back, and it's that simple. And we can be fooled by the attachment, right? In this case, attachment to the healing, right? Because we yeah. healers love to heal, right? Yeah. Or attachment to the money. Right If this is a regular client that is bringing me a hundred two hundred dollars a month, I can get attached yeah. to that little you know red yeah,
3: pretty much yeah
1: and it's like the ability to say, what are the boundaries that I have to set up here to be to be healthy yeah. in my practice and not to be suffering in, yeah. in a way that I shouldn't be suffering. so you you learn to nobody is infallible you know and we can get cocky yeah yeah. (laughs) uh, some of us that have been at it for for a while we can get very and then the the super new people that are you know just learning just getting their feet wet Um, it's good to learn all these techniques and you have a plethora of exercises here to protect yourself to protect yourself Take your body to make those connections so tell us a little bit about uh, some of those exercises other than the cleansing ones yeah yeah um, other exercises because you have a whole bunch of them in this book
2: <laughs> I have a ton um you know what's funny is <laughs> I was writing when I was writing this book I, I I sent it to my my editor and and I had a bunch of exercises and I was like you know what was like i don't even know how to get these into the book i was so i was like there's going to be an appendix in the back and i'm just dumping them all there and that way you know i can like in text i can just say reference the appendix this exercise you know and she sent it back and said no way (laughs) that it has to be interspersed with the text there still were a few that ended up in an appendix but um but for the most part i ended i managed somehow to like squeeze them in and and i you know when i when i signed on for this book i i was like i wanted to write one book which was then they were like nope this is two books we need two different books one is an introduction with all of these exercises the second is whatever um and and i was like i was at the time i was really bummed about it cuz i was like oh man you know like now i got to write all of these intro exercises and and then I was like, you know what? No, this is, this needs to be a central part of this book, especially the healing part, you know, because it's not, it's not easy work to do. And, and, you know, I need to to give people at least the, you know, the first footsteps on, I'm not saying that the exercises that are in my book are perfect in any way, um, but hopefully they're a good introduction to some of this stuff. And, you know, I, I, I made frequent reference to people who've been my mentors as well, um, including Christopher Penzak. His his books have a lot of in-depth exercises as well. Oh, and yeah. I think he goes way more in-depth than I do in in my book um, with a, m- many, if not most, of his exercises. But yeah, it'd be... So, like, grounding and shielding, I think, are are some of the, like primary exercises that you need to have experience with when you're doing any real spiritual work. It doesn't even have to be, you know, going into the liminal spaces or whatever. It's just, you know, I, this is, um, these are exercises that I use every day when I, when I work in my regular job, you know, I work as a journalist and uh, journalism is a really, um, depending on, on, what aspect of it you're involved with it's very uh it can be very um depressing <laughs> frankly um you know if you're dealing with you know some of the worst aspects of humanity or humanity behaving at its worst it can be really troubling and especially if you're doing it for years and years i mean i've i've been working in journalism for almost 20 years now and Twenty years into it, I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. But you know, some of the things that I frequently do are grounding myself, you know, before and after, you know, and it sets just like, just like with your reading sessions, you know, it sets a sort of container for for things to operate with them, and you're basically just saying, okay, I'm creating a space where, you know, I am coming into it, I am. I am at my um, energetic energetically balanced and I'm coming into it with some shielding work in front of me so that I'm not just experiencing all of the raw emotion or the raw, you know, whatever it is that's that, you know, my client or that my, my, my stories that my reporters are working on, um, are are you know coming to me with you know and because you have to i mean and it helps in my in journalism it helps a lot because i have to be non-reactionary and i have to be um you know in the midst of a crisis i have to be reacting with a cool head you know in a lot mm-hmm. of
3: ways uh,
2: because you don't want to put out bad information or you know misinformation
3: exactly. and
2: then and then you know But, you know, in this, in that same way, you know, when you're working with clients or, or, you know, whatever your job is, you know, it's a, it's just a good practice. And then, you know, afterwards I, I do like one of the exercises in here is um, clearing away theric cords. So I feel like there are, you know, especially in this, in the sense of like, you have clients who become very needy with you and, and you mentioned energy vampires. And I don't think that there's like, I don't think that that there's necessarily a bad connotation there Um, because I know, I mean, there are people who identify, say I am an energy vampire, but if you, if you know that that's how you interact with energy, then you need to know how to be responsible about
3: Mm -hmm.
2: how you, how you get energy, you know, from people from different situations and it has to be consensual, you know, and all of that. Um, but, you know, so, you know, when, I, when you're cutting etheric cords, there are people and situations that throughout your day, throughout your life, they'll create uh, connections to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they'll create connections to you that, that are um, not for your highest good. And that are that are so, sort of, you know, sucking energy away from, from you. And doing a, an exercise where you're just, you know, looking at your scanning your aura and looking for these connections to whatever it might be, could even be family, you know, and, and saying, you know what, I'm cutting this cord. It doesn't mean that I'm cutting my connection to, you know, if it's a close family member. I'm not cutting my connection to that family member, however, I am reclaiming my integrity you know <laughs> and 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 so that I can be whole and healthy again you know
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
2: doing that regularly I feel like has has significant um, effects to you know bolster your your energetic self you know your energetic uh, bodies and yeah. So yeah, it's, um, and there are a ton of exercises like that, you know, and, and they go from very basic to, um, you know, ways of meeting uh, different spirits in different places, meeting not only, you know, local land spirits that might be the spirit of, as you mentioned earlier, the spirit of a tree, um, versus meeting the spirit of an ecosystem or a region you know and something really massive on that level um and we you know I I have different exercises for doing all of those sorts of things though the the larger the spirits get the more I'm like take your time
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and um I have to say there are certain golden nuggets that I have found throughout this book one of them when you speak about shamanism and kind of like tapping into cultural appropriation without so i as an indigenous woman appreciate that um i also appreciate all of the little golden nuggets that you put here all these exercises some that you haven't mentioned you talk about sigils you talk about nature you talk about um rewilding ourselves and yeah uh, remembering that we are animals i cannot right. read this enough time yeah. uh we just write poetry and wear clothes but we are animals right and right. we have all these senses that advise us and guide us and we just yeah. have to reconnect with those and this the season i cannot not talk about connecting with the the mighty dead or yeah, yeah. or dead the dearly departed souls right so yeah, I, yeah. you tap on that you you talk about that in the book uh, yeah. what a wonderful work um a great guy you are a great guide to the to theliminal worlds I will say for people that have never uh, thank you really. Uh, tap into that and so i really appreciate this book and i cannot wait until the next one comes out so please
2: <laughs> thank you thank you
1: tell your people to call my people no you <laughs> because we don't have people
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: but uh i would love to have you back on on the show when the when the yeah. next book comes out um that sure. so we can go kind of like full circle talking about it but but tell us a little bit about this this season yeah and work yeah. on that liminal. yeah, process.
2: so i mean for me and and i think for for i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say most uh witches, but I think for a lot of us in in this practice, you know october is the big the big shebang, <laughs> and you know whether or not you uh, like for me i I follow sort of the astrological um Samhain which ends up being in early November um which I didn't I just happened to start doing that and like years and years and years ago and then I had a kid and and it worked out really well because it turns out like he wants to do stuff on Halloween and (laughs) so if Halloween had been my big you know holiday it would have it would have really uh you know, squelched a lot of, of my practice because yeah. I would have, you know, encourage, you know, just, you know, doing whatever he wanted to do would have taken priority. Um, So that's, I mean, for me, it's, it's not really, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at it as like this March towards Halloween. Um, I'm, it's more of like a March towards November 6th or 7th or something. Um, It kind of changes year to year. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I work a lot with my personal ancestors. I have an ancestor altar that I, I've got up, you know, year round and, and starting in October, um, I think many of us feel that the veil is growing thin and, and I've seen evidence of that this year, um, maybe more so than in previous years, um, but, you know, I have on my, on my ancestor altar, I have, you know, pictures of my beloved dead and I'm offering them little candies that I know that they liked in life and coffee and um, <laughs> um, cigarettes and, and, you know, all of, the, all of the things that they enjoyed in life that they, they don't have access to, you know, in spirit anymore um, so, you know, I, I, try to, I, I keep that practice living that that's a daily practice for me throughout the year, like I said, but, um, and then I, you know, there are the, the mighty dead, the, the ancestors of, of our traditions of, of our passions. And, um, you know, again, to sort of to Christopher Penzak's horn a little bit, he wrote a book called the mighty dead which goes into a lot of depth on, on some of these topics and, you know, open my eyes to the the idea of even honoring dead of, of craft, you know, of like, if you have, if you're a poet, if you're a musician using this time to honor, honor those who have passed, who have been big inspirations to you, you know, why, why not do that, you know? And, you know, even like, for uh, people who, who are adopted, you know, they, you are adopted into the lineage of, of, you know, your adopted ancestry and you have the opportunity to honor that ancestry. And, and if you like, you can, you know, honor the ancestry of, you know, your, your, your blood ancestry as well. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, for me, this is, it's a really busy time, in t- just in terms of things that are happening in, in my community, in my practice. And, um, but I try to be um, open to um, what comes in. And, and something very uh, interesting that happened to me just yesterday, I was walking, I was at my son's soccer game and we you know the game was over we were walking back to the car um his mom had had joined us uh sort of later in in the game and so he was riding with her and and i was walking by myself back to my car and um and i noticed a shadow walking towards me and i kind of looked around i was like am i seeing is this like you know just weird lighting or whatever that I and there was no one around and I saw you know I saw walking towards me and walked right by me and I turned and looked behind me and it just kept on walking towards the field and I was like what <laughs> like these things happen but it's all it's always just a little like uh, you know it's it, every time for me it's magic you know and you know some of my my friends kind of make fun of me because they're like, "You're a witch. This is witchcraft. Like, what did you expect?" And I'm like, "But every time, it's amazing to me.
3: Yeah. Like,
2: every time when when you have these, even if they're regular, you know, even if it happens every day or every week, you know, when you interact with this with the spirit world, it is it is an incredible and awe inspiring thing. And I I don't think I'll ever yeah. lose that awe for for Those events.
1: I I often tell either my apprentices or my clients as much in awe as you are of the things that we get to see during class or to see during a reading, as much as you are in awe, you, my apprentice, you, my client, I -hmm. am in awe 20 times over. Yeah, yeah. It never gets old and it never stops. (laughs) You from wondering like, wow, yeah. what else? Yeah. What else is out there? You know. So, it, let's, yeah. Yeah. so let's let's put on our our patines. How do you call them? or roller skates,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and start rolling skated into this liminal world. uh I really enjoy chatting with you today. This has been thank you so much. Um, I have to ask you the silly question: Where can people <laughs> get your book, The Path of the Moonlit Hedge? Discover yeah, the magic
2: uh, and the animistic witchcraft. It's available basically anywhere books are sold. Um, if you have a a a witchy bookstore, a metaphysical store, a new age store in your area, I encourage you to buy it from them. If they don't have it, you can ask them to order it. Uh, it's pretty easy for them to do. Um, if you don't, um, then you can just go, you know, to Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, bookshops.org is one that I like to plug a lot because that ends up helping independent bookstores um, even if you don't have an independent bookstore in your your neck of the woods um, yeah so and or you can contact me and I can sign a copy and send it to you so <laughs> wow. um, my my website is uh, MoonlitHedge.com. Um, or you can go to NathanMHall.com. I think that actually redirects to Um And you can contact me there. So, yeah.
1: Wow. It will be nice to have a, a signed copy. So <laughs> thank you so much, Nathan, for being on the show thank tonight. You. I really enjoyed it. No, it was
2: time. a real pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: And And we were worried that we were not going to be able to fill in the hour. <laughs> <laughs> like this is this has been amazing thank you so much for being here uh people go buy this book really whether you are a seasoned witch or a very very new um in your practice or maybe maybe even if you're not interested on this kind of practice learn what it's about so you know why you're not interested in this kind of practice right um (laughs) But it's I like I said before, I think it's a wonderful book. And uh thank you for being here. And I leave you the microphone so you can say goodnight to your audience.
2: All right, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you you having me here. So uh be well.
1: Be well, everybody. And as always, I'm gonna ask you to please support our work. Don't forget that we have over a thousand hours on podcasts at the CSMP the circle sanctuary network podcast you can find us on anywhere you get your podcast or you can go directly to blog talk radio and do csmp or you can go to the circle sanctuary website circle and then just look for the csm podcast um little window or if you live in facebook like i do just find us at the csm podcast page we have shows uh, twice on Tuesday, circle talk. One Wednesday a month, circle of nature with Selena Fox. We have some, um, songs of the pagan tribe twice on a Friday. Twice on Fridays, we have Blue Marble the third Friday of the month, and we have Paganos del Mundo, Pagaos del Mundo on Spanish and Portuguese on Saturdays. And then, of course, we have Lunatic Mondays, two Mondays a month every month. Thank you all for being here. My name is Laura Gonzalez. And like always, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN Podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.